to X-Rated Movies. I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. And the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. And we're coming to you in a post-Oscar world. Boy, the things that went down. Oh my God, can you believe it? I cannot even think of the things that happened oh, last night. Oh yeah, like night. that one. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. Oh, I mean, everyone's still talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere on Twitter. I mean, and just blowing up the social media. Yeah. Just quite an eventful year very uh very some surprises for sure and i mean the the politics of today oh, right now yeah. just that iowa caucus man everyone's still talking about I it i mean can you believe that person got the most votes it's just it's amazing but uh that other person got the most delegates uh but they might be the same person that's possible yeah um also uh the super bowl happened but yeah. we know who won that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 the Topeka Chiefs or whatever. <laughs> Impeachment's all wrapped up. Great. Yeah. I'm glad that worked out the way that we wanted it to. Mm, not, not probably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, President Trump looked very presidential during the State of the Union. Right. And uh, it was it was amazing to hear how uh, unifying his speech really was. Yeah. Like he, everyone getting up and like when when when. Uh, <laughs> Mitch McConnell got up and hugged Nancy Pelosi. I was like, wow, he's really like healing. It really us. felt like the nation was healing <laughs> at that moment. It was, uh... it was a slow news week overall. Yeah. <laughs> Real slow news week. Oh, now, I'm sorry if I don't, I can't hear you all the time. I'm, uh, there's, I, I'm carrying around a lot of change in my pockets, mostly pennies. Um, because that's all I have to pay for things with anymore. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So if you hear a jingle jingle on the podcast. You're, you're getting your paycheck in, in just rolls of pennies now? No, it's not. It's like a bag. They don't even bother <laughs> to roll them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you sit there and count it in front of your boss? And No, I, it's whenever I use it, when like when I go out to pay for things, that's when I count it. Oh, okay. Boy, your servers must love you. <laughs> One, slide it over. Two, slide it over. I was trying to make a joke about how I w- would love to get more money for this podcast. Or any money. Yeah, any. Considering we're at zero now, <laughs> we can only go up. Yeah, there's only one direction to go. <laughs> Um, we check our Patreon. How did it get to negative $80? I didn't know people could take money from us on this. <laughs> I'm trying to set up a Patreon is, is what I'm alluding to here mm-hmm. eventually. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I have one set up, but it's I think it still has like, give us $200 to go to PodCon 2018. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> updates. <laughs> uh, so if you have ideas for tiers and rewards, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tweet at us at X-Rated Movies. Uh, or email us x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Would anybody be uh, brave enough to wear our merch? Yeah. Drink out of a coffee cup that has the X-rated logo on it? You want us to pick a movie uh, that you adore to talk about? Emily Duncan, my good friend, I'm looking at you, wanting us to do Christmas movies, which I totally did not do <laughs> this year. Sorry. Or uh, you just want a shout out as a, as a general yeah. thanks for being a... a tried and true listener want to propose to your so on a podcast because you know they listen to this one and you do too because you're hearing me say this right now now's your chance or you want to break up with your so oh yeah (laughs) we'll do it for (laughs) you that's a good one that's an upper tier yeah (laughs) that'll take a lot because we'll, we'll actually invite them on as a guest. Well, yeah, you got to break up to somebody's face. You can't do it over a pod. And then, yeah, and then we'll just let them down real easy, and we'll make it the opening banter of the episode. It's like handing someone papers you, you've been served. Oh, mm, oh, mm. oh, if anybody wants us to uh, serve papers to somebody, we'll get them on the show, and we'll serve them on the show. That way there's uh, documented evidence of it. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The list goes yeah. on and on. <laughs> These are all possibilities uh we'll let you know when it's up and running but uh it's time we started making money on this thing matt we've been doing it for three years three years of free entertainment it's time to turn our hobby into a side hustle mm-hmm. yeah.
that's fine. <laughs> we can just talk about what we all came to talk about today. Oh. Uh, what we need to talk about today. Yeah, we really need to. Which is, we need to talk about Kevin. 2011, Lynn Ramsey with T. Swilled and John C. Riley, And, oof, I know he's a psychopath, but that Ezra Miller can get it. I did have to look up if he was legal at the time of the filming. I think he was legal. Like he's 18. Yeah. He's 18. He's playing like a 15, 16-year-old, but yeah, he's 18 when they filmed it. I shelved my feelings for a while. I was like, well, I've got to wait until I can check this out. I mean, the older I get, the less interested I am in younger men. But, ooh, because he's, he's walking around in those tight t-shirts mm-hmm. that, like, don't quite cover all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro, those tiny tees. Um, Good hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous of people with uh, hair like that. Just the thick, dark, <clears throat> wavy. Yeah. It always looks good. You don't really have to. He's got those high cheekbones. Yeah. And he's bisexual, so like there's like the hint that you could like land that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This movie is very depressing. Oh my god, this movie's like you a... will not be able to tell from our banter back and <laughs> forth there. This movie's like a dental drill in oh, your brain. God. A lot harder watch than I remember. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen this since theaters, and it's always one that's really stuck with me. And not not wrongly so, but I just remember when this came out, everyone was like, oh, this is the Rosemary's Baby sequel. This is the Rosemary's Baby sequel. And I don't want to say that's incorrect, but to me, I'm like, eh. With Rosemary's Baby, it's because it's like a, a conspiracy. There's like a paranoia around it because it's other people who are like trying to like control you and your body. Right. And it, that, that leads into like a paranoia about what's going on. And this is not really a paranoia. This is just mind fuckery. Yeah. And like deep, long stretches of unhappiness. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So my piece of advice when watching this movie, don't watch it on a Sunday night if you work like a Monday through Friday job. <laughs> when you already have the Sunday sads. <laughs> yeah, like I watched this, it was like 8.39 last night, you know, right after the Oscars. And <laughs> it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I got to like go back to reality. And yeah, I had the Sunday sads a little bit. And just the way that this starts out with like the shots of like the curtains blowing in the wind, uh-huh. and I'm I'm I was like this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I should have watched this yesterday or the day before. Um, this isn't gonna put me in a good mind space to just go to sleep and be ready for tomorrow's <laughs> challenges. Yeah. I actually just went, I was going to stay up after watching this and do something else, but I was like, I just want to go to bed. I just want to (laughs) die a little bit. So Lynn Ramsey makes very kind of abstract, emotional movies. Very poetic. Poetic. Yeah, that's a good way to, that's a good way to put it. And it's like, because I wouldn't, I don't think you should take this movie too literally. I think it's more about the tone that she sets in it. Because it's like, it definitely is a lot of, Here's a scene of everybody being shitty to Tilda. Here's a mm-hmm. scene of her raising the baby. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's very repetitive in that way, but it's like, it's just fucked up thing after fucked up thing, but it's like somehow engaging because she varies it so much and the tone of each of them feels different. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It. It's sort of like uh, an Edward Gorey poem where it's like even though they're all just pen and ink in the same style something about what they're saying and how each one is different and kind of makes you feel similar but different vibes okay well i was gonna say it's because we kind of get tilda swinton at different points in her life Mm -hmm. like the present day stuff like post massacre she's just this empty husk of a woman i don't know if i could move far enough away <laughs> from that town. I don't know why she stays within proximity of these people. Yeah. I would up and move as far as my means could take me. Also, another question I had is like, I don't understand why the town is so pissed at her. She seems like she's a victim too. Well, you know, she raised the monster and people mm-hmm. always blame the mother for these things. Mm-hmm. You know, Sigmund Freud never said, oh, it was a bad father. It's always mommy issues. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. fair. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Especially in this movie, because damn, she tried. 
I mean, she wasn't a great mother necessarily. Like, she definitely has her faults as well. But wouldn't you? God, what a terrible child. Yeah, but would you throw your child? If he shat right after I cleaned his diaper, yes. <laughs> but, like, when you mentioned earlier with Rosemary's Baby, there is, like, a conspiracy theory sort of thing because, like, Kevin fucks with her all the time. Yeah, Kevin fucks with her all the time. But, uh, well, uh, before we get too far off of that, so I think the reason why these, like, how it, it, it jumps back and forth, why it works is because I, if we just saw Tilda as, like, the empty husk for, like, 40 minutes, that might just be grating after a while. Yeah. It's sort of important to see her idealistic when Kevin's a baby mm-hmm. and then sort of just, like... Not necessarily pessimistic. Like, she's still kind of trying, but it's like when Kevin's a teenager, she's definitely enjoying her wine at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's still trying to be a mom. Yeah, like when uh, she takes him out to go golfing and things like that. And then seeing her at the end as she's just soulless, just any amounts of humanity are just has just been stripped from her, sanded away like the red paint on her house. Ugh. The sound design in this movie, too, very grating. Mm. Starts when Kevin's born and that wailing baby forever. Oh, yeah, and she goes to, like, just <laughs> listen to the jackhammering yeah, rather as relief. rather listen to the jackhammer to get the sound of the baby crying out of her head. And so, watching the movie, you get both <laughs> at that moment. Well, you can see, like, in her face, like, the pleasure of just having the baby scream drowned out by the jackhammer louder yeah. like you see like this like brief moment of ecstasy and then the baby just starts screaming louder yeah and like her she like wakes up from she's like oh yeah back to this <sighs> yeah the sound design on this is all the worst sounds all they needed was a leaf blower and i would have oh. gone through <laughs> the roof <laughs> so all right we just you know rng or d aside we just did a whole bunch of Hanes her way. Just wait till we get our Hanes on you. We talked in both Safe, Carol, and Mildred Pierce about how Todd Haynes is the king of meaningful glances. Uh-huh. Lynn Ramsey is the queen of meaningful <laughs> glances. Yeah, there's a lot. And like specifically with Tilda, I would say. There was, I, there was just a lot of times like where... If you just looked at the dialogue on paper, you would not be able to tell what was happening. It's the way that they're looking at each other while delivering the lines that sells everything. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't know that Kevin's a shit just based on the dialogue that he's saying in a lot of these scenes. It's how he's looking at her and, like, just poking and prodding her. Yeah. Remember when she walks in the bathroom and he's jerking off? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He just keeps looking at her and then masturbates more furiously (laughs) yeah oh that's messed up kevin's messed up yeah kevin and just why didn't she talk about kevin by the way (laughs) i mean she tried but like well put a pin in that one because i I have a a big question okay that i think plays into that okay and also like todd haynes especially mildred pierce kevin and his mother aren't super different from one another. Lynn Ramsey does a lot to sort of draw parallels between the two of them, whether it's their posture, like at the end when they're sitting in the jail and they have mirror postures. Okay. Yeah. The very beginning when she sticks her head in the sink and starts blowing it around and it transitions into Kevin's face doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, They both have similar hair and you know, the, Mm. the dark black, you know, kind of wavy hair. Uh, that scene at the uh, miniature golf course when she, like, judges fat people. Yeah, you can be kind of harsh sometimes. You're one to talk. Yeah, I am. wonder where I got it. They kind of have similar bone structures. They both have those high cheekbones. Gives them a pasty complexion. So their skin tone is, like, white, white, white. Some people say I look like Tilda Swinton. Well, it's because you both kind of look like David Bowie. <laughs> We're all related. <laughs> Lynn Ramsey goes at, at, at length to draw parallels between the two. The way that uh, Kevin in the jail is 
biting his fingernails oh, off. Yeah. And then like two scenes later, Tilda Swinton is taking the eggshells oh, right. out and putting them on the plate and like arranging them in the same manner. Yeah. So Lynn Ramsey does a lot to like show that they're not that far off from one another. It's true. And that's all through cinematography, really. Yeah, they don't say the same things or use the same dialect or anything like that. Like, it's just their actions, their posture, the way they look and carry themselves. They're both rail thin. Makes me wonder a little bit, like, what was Tilda Swinton's character as, like, as a teenager? Yeah, because Tilda Swinton, she's sort of... We don't have a lot of look into her life. Mm -hmm. Like... It kind of is implied that she used to have to, like, travel for work. I Yeah, it sounded like that she was somebody who writes for, like, Let's Go or Lonely Planet or something like that. So she, right. So she'd be sent off to experience something, and then she'd come back and write about it. Yeah, because... Uh, Rick Steves, if you will. Sure. Well, because th- there's the scene where they think they see Kevin at, like, the library or the bookstore. Yeah. And her book is, like, <laughs> a, a big... You know, the facsimile of the book is like in the window and it's like author signing this Thursday. So it's like she's an author of some note, yeah. you know, that they're, that this big bookstore was going to have a signing with her. I think they even said that she was the renowned uh, adventurer, I think is the word they used. Yeah, because so. well, at the beginning of the movie, she's at some tomato festival. Right, yeah, which is the thing, I think. So I honestly don't know what that scene has to do with any of the rest of the movie, but there's so much red in this movie that it just... Uh, uh, the color palette seems to play in. Well, yeah, and I took it as like it looks like a bloodbath. It does look like a bloodbath. But it's tomatoes. But it looks like a bloodbath, and then that's where she meets uh, her husband, played by John C. Riley, and then that's where Kevin is conceived at that festival. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick that up. Okay, okay. It's it's just like it shows her having... Because we don't go back to like the, the uh, consummating... For mm-hmm. like a, for like twenty minutes or something like that. Yeah, because it shows her at the festival, and then it's like, then I think it shows her waking up in the present with the paint on the house, okay. and then it comes back to that scene, and it shows like cells dividing and stuff. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, and I think that was because she met John C. Riley at the hospital or at the festival. At the festival, okay. And, um, again, because she's so such a poetic filmmaker, uh, it's to like. You know, I think it's setting the table that like violence is to come and that Tilda's deep in it and that that's how Kevin's conceived. He's conceived in this like violence Mm, mm, feeling mm. thing. It's just to set that kind of mode. I mean, it does because the tomato festival looks like it's some sort of cannibalistic ritualistic yeah. in the guts they're like throwing guts around right some sort of like it's a it looks like viscera yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which uh, is something that kevin would probably like you know revel in because mm-hmm. it seems like he doesn't give a shit <laughs> but he has what i at least believe or is probably a mother's greatest fear of just your kid irrationally hating you from day one mm-hmm. like before he's talking before he's doing anything it is clear that he hates tilda swinton and like not really for a reason oh no no no! she wants to be a good mother or watching this time i was like she wants to want to be a good mother like she knows the motions of being a good mother but I don't know if that's necessarily where her heart is at. Sometimes I just kind of felt like she was tossing the ball to him because she knows that this is what a mother does. Can you say ball? 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 Well, I assumed she was only like kind of pissed at that point because it had been several years of her shit child. Whereas like, because when she has the little girl... She's great with her. And the little girl's such a little sweetheart. Yeah. And like, you know, they're singing that song as they're walking down the sidewalk and everything seems fine with that child. Yeah, it, it could be. And this just might be how I read it because I think Tilda Swinton plays it purposely a little ambiguous mm-hmm. that you can project onto her. And the, like to me, because I know that I would be a miserable parent both in my parenting skills and the the amount of pleasure that I would derive from parenting, just not my thing. I've said it before, pets are better than kids because 
pets will not grow up to commit, you know, massacres at public schools. This message brought to you by the American Humane Association. <laughs> pets just don't grow up to be conniving shitheads. Yeah. And, you know, you can do your best. Arguably, Tilda Swinton does her best here. And she still gets Kevin. So, anyway, I kind of read it like Tilda Swinton knew the mechanics of being a good parent, but that she'd rather still live in the city and that she'd rather live her old life. And we don't, we don't. Well, yeah, that's true because when they moved to that house, and by the way, I hate that house. I think it's purposefully supposed to feel. We we talked about this with Safe, where I'm like, this house is so cavernous. Yeah, and this it never gets like fully decorated. It feels almost. Yeah, it's not. I don't want to say overly minimalist. It just feels wrong. Like mm-hmm. there's something about the layout of it too that makes it feel just that like you can never get comfortable mm-hmm. in it. Like I could never imagine like snuggling up and watching a movie there, or like yeah, you know, or it just feels. Like a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton, they, when they moved there, she's like, I don't know about this. And it's like, it never feels like a home. Yeah. Like the cabinets were weird too. Like, I don't know. There's something about the design of everything in it too that I just, I think it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there's something about the design of the house. Like maybe it, it actually, I would love it at least if it turned out like it couldn't be a real house. Like the design of it, it's like illogical. But through movie magic, it makes it seem like a real house. Mm-hmm. But because of its illogicalness, it gives a sense of unease. Yeah. I don't know. There was something about that house. And you're right. So she did want to stay in New York. But like part of the reason that they moved was because of Kevin, I think, mm-hmm. too. Right. Didn't, didn't the John's... dad want him to have a yard. And... Yeah. So, I mean, John C. Riley plays the father. Good or bad in this role? I, I, I was back and forth. As an actor? I, I, I like John C. Riley in dramatic roles. Okay. So I, I largely approve of his his role here. And to me, he kind of plays, I don't want to say stereotypical because that has negative connotations, but he plays, you know, the, hey, buddy, dad. Yeah. Like, he, he's not really there to, like, be a firm disciplinarian. And, he, you know, he's not a helicopter parent either. He just kind of shows up and he tries to just smooth out the edges and make everyone happy and bends over backwards to defend Kevin though sometimes. Well, but I mean, if you got the Kevin that he got, you'd probably feel that way too. Yeah, maybe. Hey, Kevin, come here, give me hands. Yeah, sure does. Like to him, Kevin is just a nice kid. Like we see that a couple times where it's like the dad walks in and he totally changes facial expression. Yeah. I mean, Ezra Miller's really good, but whoever they got to play like the the uh, toddler Kevin. Yeah. Also, fabulous child Who's actor. Who's that kid? I should have looked that up. He's good. I mean, I, I did look him up, but it like he didn't grow up to do anything else. No. Or, I love I love the part when she's like trying to uh, explain um, sex to the kid because he's gonna have a little sister, and he's like, "It's about fucking." And he's just breaking the crayons yeah. there. Ugh. I that that was the scene where I'm just like. Invest in a fucking $30 GoPro and catch this stuff on camera. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. If other people saw how she was being treated by Kevin, that would at least give some semblance that she wasn't crazy or imagining it or that it wasn't in her head. I was thinking, like, take this kid to a psychologist already. Like, he's too good for a psychologist. That was my next step where I was like, actually, yeah, he'd probably fake out the guy. Um, or gal, I don't know, or they, uh, but yeah, I was just like, there's gotta be something she can do. Like she, like we so, need to talk about Kevin. Did we talk about, or is that the big question? Yeah. I mean, she, well, I mean, it's not, the, uh, kind of, uh, my, she, my big question is like a huge question. Okay, okay. Did she talk enough about Kevin? She did not talk enough about Kevin. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, that's what I was feeling the first time I watched it and this time too where I was like I don't think she's making a strong enough case to to people around her that like her son is fucked up so okay I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna do the big question now okay. we're dancing around the topic Lynn Ramsey specifically wanted this movie to take place in America right. she's Scottish right and she 
had up until that point really only made movies in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And arguably there's nothing about this movie that it couldn't take place in the British Isles. Right. It was produced by BBC and like uh, independent UK or whatever. And, you know, she's Scottish. So that's my question. Why does this have to be an American movie as opposed to universal or European movie? Right. Because we're the place that usually has the most teenage mass, like, killings. See... Is my initial answer. I think that is... It's a good one. Not that... I mean, Sweden has had some school shootings, not nearly to the the point that America has, of course. Like, no country has them to our point, but... USA! USA! (sighs) I think it has to do more with the disgruntled angry white male like the story of that and the story of women who've been conditioned not to make waves about it because and like i was thinking about that like while watching the movie and then when kevin gets the bike locks at the end near the end what are they for you never ride your bike I got these for a song off the web. I make a bundle selling them at school. Like Donald Trump, huh? Suddenly it all kind of coalesced with me that I was like, these angry white males that have like hijacked our country. And when she, when John C. Riley says like, oh, the next Donald Trump, and I was like, holy shit. I meant to look it up. Was he already like a big like birther guy at that point? Was that when the whole birther conspiracy mm. was going on? It would have been close to it. Birtherism. No, that would have been like at the height of it, actually. So, yeah. So, she's definitely referencing that. But then we have it where, because like I think of it now and we have, you know, like Charlottesville, we'll say. And it's sort of like, I feel like it's a problem that we've like as a country have ignored like this specific brand of character. And I think one of the, the problems that this family has i can't remember their last name they have a really long last name mcgillicuddy that's uh catch a durian right yeah they ignore the problem they pretend that it's not there and that allows it to fester which was like such a uh uh american value like say in the 50s or something like just pretend that everything's fine you know you see that in a lot of movies from uh, that are critiquing the fifties. It's like not everything was white picket fences. We love Eisenhower. Go to you know, go to work. Blah blah blah. But so much of this movie is about how like they ignore it, and then the problem gets worse. Yeah. Like when Kevin like he he makes like he puts like the jelly on the on the bread and like smashes it into the table. Then you see Tilda Swinton trying to talk to John C. Riley about this. He brushes and, and, it off. And yeah, he brushes it off. And then, and then it, cuts, ants. It, it cuts to the, the bread and the jelly again. And there's ants on it. It's like, here's this problem. They try talking about it, but they sweep it under the table. And now the problem's worse. Yeah. They can't find the hamster. So she just says, oh, he's out in the uh, oh. forest. And it's actually the hamsters in, in the, the garbage, garbage disposal. disposal. Yeah. And then that, of course, leads to, well, why were the cleaning supplies left out? And then the daughter does something. We don't know quite what. and Puts it in her eye? Yeah, and she loses an eye and has to get a glass eye. Like, there are these, like, recurring themes that, like, they ignore these problems and then they get worse. And I feel like, because this is based on a book, that the book is about how we ignore like this bad behavior from men mm-hmm. and it just gets worse. And now I feel like, you know, in 2016 we and 17, like we saw it like really crashing out to the point where we like, we can't ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's why I, like, I feel like it has to be American. Like not that there's not disgruntled white males in other countries, but 
I feel like we have a whole we, lot more of them. I think America uniquely resorts to violence more like, and not just like personal violence. Like it turns into, I'm taking out a lot of people with me, a lot of innocent people. I don't know where that comes from. I don't understand that mentality, but it does seem to happen quite a bit. And it's only gotten worse in the past 20 years, you know? Yeah, and then you, you couple that with women who have been conditioned not to make waves about it. Because the times that Tilda Swinton does bring it up, it just gets swept away or she's told that she's, you know, being unrealistic or that she's not actually viewing it, that he's just a sweet little he's boy. He's just a boy, yeah. And then she's the one that has to, like, live with everything. Is that why the town hates her? after the situation because she didn't make enough waves because that's damned if you do damned if you don't well part of why i say like Tilda Swinton wasn't the greatest mother i think she i don't want to say that she preferred to ignore the problem but she'd rather ignore the problem than solve it and she, and she doesn't learn at the end she's prepared to take her son back she's still prepared to ignore everything that he did before she's prepared to take the son back she doesn't move you know in the beginning she doesn't you know, she doesn't get a nanny cam. She doesn't actually take any real steps to solve the problem. She'd rather be violent towards him, throw him when he shits in his pants again. She breaks the squirt gun in front of him. Yeah. Instead of disciplining him or making him clean or do whatever. It's just she prefers to bottle it in until it explodes than to do like the reasonable things because she, when she tries to do the reasonable things, she gets shot down. Mm -hmm. It like, it shows how she's being conditioned to not speak up or act about it. Yeah. Can we say that John C. Riley's not the greatest husband too? I mean, I know well, he's, no, getting he's got hands off. <laughs> he's being approach to father. He's being presented with different information than her, but it's like, you know, maybe don't always jump to the defense of your kid when mm -hmm. your wife is trying to tell you something who still gives you a blowjob all these years, you know, like later, like, come on, give her, give her a little credit. I mean, th there's talk of divorce and then he even says, well, at least custody's a no brainer. Yeah. There's a couple things in there where, yeah, I just, it, when Tilda Swinton looks at Kevin's like, Mommy was happy before little Kevin came along. Did you know that? Now Mommy wakes up every morning and wishes she was in France. Basically, you're ruining my life. Yeah. And he sees her say that. Yeah. The dad does, John C. Riley. So. Yeah. I don't know if we get the... No, we do get the impression that she's unhappy to be pregnant with him anyway. Because it's like, once we see her pregnant, and she is pregnant in this movie... She's like looking in the mirror and you can tell that she's like, she just feels fat and gross. And then she gets into that locker room with all those other women who are changing and you, and you see all their pregnant bodies. And she's just like, oh, she's the only one I that's not like. kind of embracing it. Yeah. You can tell that she's just not. Oh, and I think also when she's giving birth to Kevin, the like nurse keeps saying, don't resist it. Yeah. Don't resist it. Yeah, that does give you the impression that she's not thrilled about motherhood. Mm -mm. It just seemed like she was being mechanical about motherhood almost. And it almost seems like Kevin sensed that. Mm -hmm. He knew that he was less than wanted. and Well, there's that whole speech he gives about like watching. <laughs> I mean, it's got so bad that half the time the people on TV inside the TV, they're watching TV. There's the idea that she has seen how to be a good mother from TV, like what you're supposed to do, but she's not acting authentically, maybe, towards Kevin, and Kevin won't let her forget that. Mm, okay. Not that I'm defending Kevin. Oh, my God, it sounds like I am all of a sudden. But <laughs> movie-wise, that makes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kevin... When he walks out of the gymnasium. It's like applause. He's got like a fucking like stride in his step as he's walking out. Like, mm. 
His face doesn't say it, but his body language is just, like, overflowing with pride. And, yeah, he just puts up his hands and lays down on the ground. He's like, no one's going to shoot me because I'm not resisting arrest. Like, he knew it. It's like, ah, it's such a shitty, shitty scene. What do you make of the um, one, like, brief moment in the movie when you can exhale when he gets sick and he's like i love you mommy (laughs) suddenly for once so it as horrible as kevin is you're not super sympathetic to to tilda swinton either but really and i feel like this plays to the end you just kind of want him to get along like the whole fucking movie (laughs) even though kevin is like a monster and tilda swinton is like a less than desirable mother you just kind of want them to be a happy family. Can't they Can't they both just try a little harder sometimes, you think? And I, I couldn't figure out why I wanted that to happen. I was like, why do I want these horrible people to be happy? <laughs> well, you get that breath, that one, one... You know the album Portishead Third? Yeah. And it has that, like, one middle song where it's singing about drowning, but it's, like, very soft and, like, outside all these, like mechanical sounds everywhere. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's been a while. Okay, well, it it just always feels like this little island in the middle of, like, this sea of, like, dark, heavy stuff. And I feel like that's what this is in this movie, where it's, like, it's the only chance we get to breathe in mm. this movie because it finally feels like, oh, this is nice. Like, he's letting her take care of him, and he really needs her, and he's realizing how much he needs a mom right now, and... Uh, he's like, he like cuddles up with her while she reads Robin Hood to him. Don't stop reading, Mom. But then you realize, like, that's where he gets the idea to fucking become an archer. And you're like, God damn it. (laughs) You're right, you're right. And it's all to get back at his mom for that moment, it feels like. Oh, that totally robs the scene of any breath, knowing that that's where... Yeah. He gets the idea. The, fir- the first time I watched it, I was thinking like, oh, this is so sweet. I really needed this after that, that whole time. I didn't realize that she was reading Robin Hood, though, either. Yeah. Well, then this time when I was watching it, she's talking about the arrows going. And I was like, oh, well, fuck. That's oh, why he gets into archery. Yeah. God hones his skills all those years. Maybe because that was the one time he allowed himself to be vulnerable and he couldn't let that just sit there, you know? The one nice memory that she might have of him, he wants to tie it to, like, the worst massacre. Yeah. Yeah, the worst event of her life. God. (laughs) Dark. So, I don't know, but, like, the parents of, like, the Columbine shooters or something like that, like, I wonder if they have to deal with the kind of shit that Tilda Swinton has to deal with in, like, the present-day parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, people threw red paint on her car and her home. Broke all her eggs. Yeah, broke all of her eggs in, in the grocery store. That one really stuck with me this time where I was like, oh, yeah, that's a specific type of hate. <laughs> Man, I know how to get you back for any time you do me dirty. <laughs> don't look at your, don't break look your, your eggs. Don't look in your fridge. <laughs> Or near the beginning when that one lady slaps her yeah. in public. Looks like someone's having a nice day. Enjoying yourself? Sorry. <sighs> and oddly enough, the one person who's nice to her... Is one of the victims. Yeah, yeah the, the disabled kid who like comes up to her in the wheelchair. I just wanted to see how you were. I'm fine. Thanks. You look well. Yeah. Doctors are saying there's a chance I might walk again. I mean, not to say that, like, the parents aren't victims themselves in this situation, but I do think that that was sort of, like, that must have said something about something that I'm just not smart enough to know. But the actual firsthand victim of Kevin seems to, to realize that it's not Tilda Swinton's fault. Yeah. That it, that she's not the reason that this happened. Yeah. But maybe it's because he went to school with Kevin and knows that Kevin was a pile of shit. Yeah. And that, you know, you can't purposely raise a monster like this. Right. They are born this way. Like Lady Gaga. Like Lady Gaga. God, and there's that... She gets that job, which... 
you get the feeling is well below her skill level as she used to be an author. Yeah. And she gets a job where all she has to do is type and file. At a travel agency, which... Not even a thing anymore, really. Yeah, not really. That's got to be sad. And the lady who runs it is, I don't know the actress's name, but she's a wonderful character actress. Yeah, she's real great. We'll have to give her a shout out on another episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'll always know her best as Edgar's wife in The First Men in Black. Okay, okay. And she's also in a number of Lars von Trier movies. She was in Dogville, right? She was. She was yeah. like the uh, organ player, the chur- like the church lady who would ring the bell. That's why I think I remember her. She's best. also in Dancer in the Dark. She is uh, the prison guard that marches right. Selma from her cell to the gallows. She loves her bummer movies, doesn't she? Yeah, she's in a couple <laughs> other Lars von Trier movies too. It's like I wonder, I, I want because she's sort of a goofy character actress. Yeah, but I'm and because. If you look up her filmography, if we ever figure out her name, <laughs> uh, should we just do it real fast? Yeah, you, you you'll see a bunch of television and sitcom. Like she was in Seinfeld, like in one of the first two seasons. She's Elaine's roommate that like hooks up with Kramer at some point. Like she has a whole slew of comedy credentials under her belt. And then yeah, she's also like in these like dour like European produced English speaking movies. Shaban Fallon Hogan is her name. Men in Black, Forrest Gump, The Negotiator, Holes, Daddy Daycare, Giving and st- uh, blah, blah, blah. The House the Jack Built? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, she's probably got a, a huge credit to her name. Boy, Which, she honestly, likes her bummers. If I was a character actor or actress, that's the kind of career I'd want. Spend a day or two doing a sitcom, you know, get your yucks in, and then spend a week shooting some dour art house murder flick. Yeah, why not? Um, and she kind of plays like the exact middle here. Like her character's kind of goofy in this super dour movie. Yeah. I liked it when they had the holiday party and like Tilda Swinton gets like shot down. She's like, don't go, don't go. She's fine. Fine. That scene is rough. Like the yeah. glimmer of human sympathy that you see being gleaned towards her, and it just crushes down mm, on her. Yeah, no hope. No hope. No hope. Where do you get off, you stuck up bitch? You think anyone else is gonna want you now? You know what I was thinking while watching this movie? Okay, so. Um, Sometimes when I'm listening to electronic music, um, specifically made by women, I'm like, like what, like Helena Hoff. Uh, if you've ever heard anything by her, I can't think of the other one's name, but like sometimes I listen to electronic music made by women and I hear like a certain, like a certain level of grittiness and harshness that I think that like men are scared to go to. And I was getting a lot of that impression with this movie. Where like, when I'm watching this, this feels v- v- intense in just like a specific way that I just like, I, when I'm watching, I'm like, a man could never make a movie that feels this way. Really? Yeah. Expand on that. It feels like sharp edges and uh, it hurts me emotionally in a way that I relate to maybe more than like when men try to hurt me emotionally. Okay directorially okay well i think it's because men use traditional violence like as a way to threaten or scare i guess not a lot of you know male directed movies really just have a breakdown of a relationship as a means to scare you like kevin doesn't do a lot really if you think about it that threatens tilda swinton's livelihood or her happiness, it's that she wants so badly to be a good mother, and it's not happening, and that's what's dragging she's her ne- down, never is like her failure well. at this goal that she's striving for. And yeah, it's like, even though she gets it a little bit with her second kid, the daughter, who is more or less a traditional happy child, much easier than Kevin Kevin's is. happy to take that away from her. yeah. Yeah, I, and that's like also there's like a specific thing where it's like you never think that Kevin's going to kill the mom. Like even when he moves in with her after this, 
Like, I don't get the impression that he's ever going to try and kill her. It always just seems like he's more interested in making her suffer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, move in with her? Yeah, at the end, she was preparing his room for him. Oh, yeah. I kind of thought that was wishful thinking on her part, where she's like, oh, you'll mm. just get out of here in a couple of years because you were tried as a minor. And still fit into these tiny t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, she was ironing his t-shirts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that unbreakable bond of being a mother. God. Mothers out there. Jessica Baxter, I'm looking at you. Is there anything your kid could do to well, make you not want them to I, I, not I, make you love them anymore? On this note, real quick, because uh, she tweeted at us during the Mildred Pierce episodes that she compared this movie a little bit. She's like, you know, I'll never watch. We need to talk about Kevin again because it's just too close to home mm. uh, and i was like well stay tuned for that one so. <laughs> god yeah i mean like oh i guess we should mention maybe this we didn't bring this up before but like yeah definitely some vita vibes here where it's just like you gave birth to a monster yeah and the, and then the questions that come up with that is like what do you do like how much of that is nature versus nurture because in this case i would argue it's more nature than nurture it seems like she's really trying to be a good mom or at yeah. least a mom and he won't have that. Like he just he he won't have it. Yeah, the, the weird thing about Kevin is like it 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 feels like he's a monster that is there with the sole purpose of testing the strength of relationships. Because mm-hmm. I I feel like if they didn't have kids, John C. Riley and Tilda Swinton could have like made it work as a couple. Yeah, it's it's I almost feel like the unhappiness that Tilda Swinton gets from having to raise Kevin is what drives them apart. Sure. Even though she's sucking his D, he's like, we got to get a divorce, which <laughs> you know things are bad then. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This this movie's so, in my opinion, non-literal. Like, it feels way more poetic than even though realistic. Everything in here it does actually happen. Like, there's no fantasy sequences no, or anything like that. No, it all like feels that. grounded, like, in, in reality. But, like the characters and things that happen to them and the way it's filmed. And it's, it's all about tone to me. Yeah. Like when Tilda Swinton's giving birth and like you, you don't see her giving birth. You see like the, the reflection that she's creating and her face is, yeah. you know, out of proportion and things like that. Like it gives the impression that this is a difficult childbirth without actually just showing her in the stirrups or whatever. I, I've never given birth. I don't know what <laughs> machinery is there. <laughs> I do like Lynn Ramsey, though, a lot. More of her in Collar is on my list, so I'm just letting that you know that. That was one of the movies that you initially gave me way back in the day. Oh, that's so that's so good. I think this is her best. Oh, okay. I, I think I think it takes her strengths as this very sort of abstract director. I've even seen most of her short films, oh, okay. and some of them are so abstract, and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> one of her best is just a person swimming. It's a short film, like 15 oh. minutes of a person swimming, and it's gorgeous. Cool, cool, cool. But like Ratcatcher I've seen, and yeah, Morven Collar, and this one, and then uh, I can't remember the name of the Joaquin Phoenix movie. I was never really here. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah. But she's good. She's good. Yeah, she she's good. Real quick, good pick. I mean, yeah, yeah. I hated Despite watching it. Despite how miserable we both God. were. Hated watching it. I mean, I won't say that, but uh, hard watch. Definitely a hard watch. It was a hard watch. It brought me back to, like, safe territory. I was like, God, we just did this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was also because, like, yesterday I was sort of hungover. And, like, you know when you're hungover, you're, like, a little bit more emotionally sensitive? Yeah. Then Emotionally compromised? (laughs) Yeah. And then it was just, like, Sunday night. And I was like, I gotta go to fucking work tomorrow. I'm like, well, let me just pop in we need to talk about kevin and watch it real quick Uh, listener you don't even want to know what i'm going through (laughs) so it was tough uh that said highly recommended highly recommended This is one I saw it in theaters, and it's always stuck with me. And I was struck at how much I remembered of a lot of the stuff. Me too. And then how much I'd forgotten. I'd totally forgotten that there was another kid, that, that, that there was a daughter. Uh-huh, me too. Just 
totally wiped from my memory. I forgot about the nice uh, scene with the Robin Hood talking, but I was like, when it came on, I was like, oh yeah, this was my moment to like, yeah, get a break. I definitely remembered him jacking off. Okay, I remember all the feels. Yeah, going through it again this time, I remember being like, oh yeah, like the eggs. The guy at the Christmas party. Like, I remember the tomato festival from the beginning very well. That left seeing that on the big screen left quite an impression on oh, me. Oh, like, bet not knowing anything about the movie and going into it and like that's the beginning. Blood orgy. Yeah, <laughs> where you're just like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Good pick. Provocative. <laughs> well, you wanna you wanna hear what's coming up next week? I really do. I'm very excited. Earlier, you mentioned, if I haven't edited it out, uh, that I watched Adaptation in preparation for this and said, eh, this movie's not that great. Mm-hmm. So instead, I looked to another Charlie Kaufman movie. Oh, okay. And uh, we're going to have some fun, Matt. Let's do Being John Malkovich. Okay. Is that a meta movie, though? Oh, I got reasons why it's meta. Okay, okay. Yeah. Adaptation's definitely more of a meta movie, but um, Being John Malkovich has a lot there. It's... I think it really also highlights what meta can be. I guess anytime you have an actor playing themselves, that's part of that's it. Already um, halfway to meta. Yeah, and, and it's like it, it's always when it, there's layers. You know, when you got when you got layers, it's like Mary Berry talking about um, <laughs> the, the the Genoese sponge <laughs> and the you know patisserie or something. The, it's, the, the baklava and the. <laughs> We're getting very distinct layers here. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of there's lots of layers in several moments of that movie that okay. I think make it uh, graduated into meta territory. Well, it's not as meta as adaptation, but adaptation is a boring movie. I'm sorry, it's boring, really. It's really boring. I, I have not seen adaptation since theaters, and I've kind of always been waiting for you to pick up for this <sighs> podcast. I rewatched it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> let's get going. But. Being John Malkovich is a lot of fun. I think we can have fun talking about it. I was going to say, good pick because A, I own it. Oh, yeah. Uh, But B, I don't think I've seen it in seven or eight years at this point. Get ready. It's a lot of fun. Would you care to plug out junk and get the fuck out of here? Yes. Hopefully. Sometime soon. Go to our Patreon. You can throw us money now. We just don't have tears. (laughs) Yeah. You can still give us $200 to go to PodCon 2018 2018 if you want. Uh, how would they find that Patreon? Well, I believe it's <laughs> patreon.com slash x-rated movies. If that's not it, you can reach out to us via email at x.rated.movies at gmail.com and we'll answer you there. Yeah. You can also hit us up on Twitter at x-rated movies or on Facebook at rated X movies. And I'm sure we will also put it up on our website xratedmovies.com oh yeah there's lots of stuff there if you have too much money and you need some place to put it reach out to us and we'll guide you in the right directions <laughs> I think that's about it right yeah cool well thank you for talking about Kevin because we needed to do we that we needed to talk about Kevin God, we really needed to but then until next week uh, we're going to talk about John Malkovich and being John Malkovich alright cool 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 sounds good see you next week keep reaching for that rainbow bye bye